It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Essentia is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to the BBC Country File magazine podcast. The podcast that takes you on thrilling and unusual adventures into the British countryside. In this episode, our own Danny Graham visits a brand new wildlife attraction on the edge of Bristol, where bears, wolves, wolverines and lynx will be allowed the run of a huge enclosure of ancient woodland called Bear Wood. Created by the Wild Place Project on land owned by Bristol Zoo, the plan is to take visitors on a journey into a lost world when these species once thrived in the wild in Britain. Just before the first animals arrived on site, Danny met with Rebecca Cole and Will Walker from the Wild Place Project, and they explored the raised walkways that take you above the animals roaming in the woodland below and discovered how the site was created and what we can all expect to see there. Hi Will and Rebecca. So can you explain a little bit about where we are now? So we've just come through what will be the time chamber, the beginning part of the exhibit. We are within ancient woodland and we've taken our guests back in time to show them animals that used to live in the woodland and to tell them about what lives here now and the importance of this habitat. So when you say back in time, how far back are we talking? We're going back to 8000 BC, so when we had wolverine native in the UK and that's one of the exhibit animals that you meet first in the experience. Okay, and so this is the ancient woodland that we're walking through at the moment? It is, yeah. What does that mean? Uh, so this means really since the beginning of when we started to create maps, this has been continually wooded. So there's always been woodland here of some kind. So this is classed as ancient woodland and we're very lucky to have about 20 acres of it on site at Wild Place. Great. Do you, do you know much about the trees, species in here? And... I know a lot more about trees than I used to. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot of ash trees, um, uh, quite a few oak trees, uh, hazel, beech, larch. I think that might cover the majority of them, although I'm sure the landscape team will tell me differently. 
and this is this is very much what it would have looked like across Britain then. Woodlands like this um, would have covered about 75% of the UK 10,000 years ago. So that's kind of the message that we want to get across is how much woodland there was and how much of this habitat there was for these species. Well, can you talk about a few of the animals that are going to be in the enclosure when it opens? Uh, yeah, so all the animals that um, we've brought into this exhibit are animals that used to live um, in woods just like this across the UK. So we have the wolverine. So this is why we've gone all the way back to um, 8000 BC because wolverine were the first um, of the animals that we're bringing into here to disappear and that was sort of the time that they, um, that they sort of disappeared. Uh, but yeah, wolverine, uh, European lynx, uh, European brown bear uh, and the wolves as well, which we already have on site here but we'll be bringing into this exhibit to share a space um, with the brown bears. How does that actually work bringing them in and integrating them together? Are they going to be integrated together or are they going to be separated? Yeah the the wolves and the bears will be together but the lynx and the wolverine will be in separate areas and it's uh, it's it's going to be quite a process to do it obviously as I said we do have them here so we'll need to move them over and that will require um, obviously our veterinary team um, will need to dart them and and bring them over the reason why we're darting them is because um, it gives us a really good opportunity to actually give them a bit of a health check it's um, quite a difficult animal to work very closely with so we're taking this this opportunity to you know to do uh, blood tests and and uh, maybe trim their nails give them um, flea treatment like you would a dog and all that sort of lot as well make sure they're in sort of top um, shape before we bring them over here and yeah yeah we'll be mixing those guys with the bears we won't be mixing them straight away we'll keep them in separate areas um, but they'll be able to uh, see each other and, and, and between the fence lines um, and then we'll just sort of go from there once we are confident that they seem to be getting on okay through the fences then we'll let them into the large area that we have here and um, and hopefully um, it'll be all fine it should be fine we're not the first place to do it in in Europe but um, we believe we're the first place in the UK to mix brown bears and wolves. And for listeners who are interested in um, brown bears and wolves and lynx and wolverine, can you tell us a bit about, well we could start with wolverine, just how they have adapted to living in forests, why they like forests? Well they live in all sorts of habitats actually. Um, I think most people when you think of wolverine or say wolverine you think of uh, a, uh, a comic book character um, and they are quite angry just like that comic book character, you know they are basically like angry badgers. They're large badgers, they're the same family as the badgers, um, but they're just much bigger, um, really long claws, very well adapted to cold weather actually. Um, so this is um, sort of the more warmer parts of, the, uh, of their historic ranges that they would have um, sort of ventured into um, because they can go right down into you know, northern um, uh, Europe and uh, northern America and stuff where it's you know, minus temperatures for much of the winter and very deep snow. Um, but they're really well adapted. They're very well uh, good climbers, so they've got big, sharp, long claws on them. They can climb up trees. They stash their food up in trees, and we'll let them do that in our exhibits here. Um, you know, very powerful claws for digging as well, so they're able to dig through either snow or uh, dig into the ground, dig out um, rabbits and stuff like that of, of burrows and things. So, um, and then obviously a nice big thick coat as well to keep them nice and warm. This exhibit that we're building for them is very natural for them. So we don't need to build them um, large animal houses or anything like that. We've built them small nest boxes, but we also expect them to basically dig their own nests and, uh, and dens. Um, and hopefully they'll you know, have young, uh, just as they would uh, in the wild, just in a, in a nest box somewhere. Um, so. You know, we're, as, as Rebecca said, really lucky that we've got this woodland, this, this habitat, this perfect habitat to the animals um, on our, you know, in our site. And uh, it means that we can do quite minimal stuff to them, but actually give them everything that they need. So um, very lucky with that. Mm. We've just been walking along the, the wooden walkway. It's quite an amazing structure. Mm -hmm. How have you gone about building it? 
with great difficulty. Uh, so the wooden uh, walkway is over 700 metres long uh, and in places it's, it's coming up to six metres high. So the majority of it is raised. It's been a really difficult construction and all of these big um, poles and beams to make this have been carried in by hand by the people that have been building it down completed sections of walkway. It's a really challenging environment. So the, the slope in here means that, like I say, some sections are six metres above the ground, some are at ground level. Um, it's difficult to get about in, uh, but what makes that very difficult to build also makes it a really good and interesting exhibit to look at as well. So it's got it's, it's been difficult to build, but also that makes it really good. So at the end of the day, we've done pretty well. Yeah, I mean, there's some amazing views from here as well. Yes, yeah. uh, and this is an awful day. And it's so an awful you can day, see yeah. well into Wales from here on a, on a good day. Yeah, yeah. That's a, the very highest part of the walkway. You get excellent views. Yeah. And Will was talking about wolverines climbing the trees. Yes. How has the structure been built to prevent the wolverines from climbing over? And all the fence lines are the same um, for all of the animals. We're kind of different um, electric wire configurations depending on the animals that are in there. Uh, and we've worked around a lot of the landscape here, so we've moved away from large trees or overhanging trees where we can. We haven't cut down any trees in the woodland unless they're unsafe or unhealthy, so we've moved around a lot of things. Uh, what we have done, though, is we've done tree collaring for anything that we're a bit concerned about. So we're kind of going through the last of that now and making sure we're happy with everything. Um, so there has been some tree work in here, uh, but we've just tried to work around what we've got rather than altering things too much. You were talking earlier about bears. What species of bear? Uh, so these are European brown bears. So yeah, so these are the bears that, uh, they're basically a bit like a North American grizzly that um, you know a lot of people uh, would be quite familiar with. Slightly smaller though, so they don't get as large as the, uh, the North American cousins, but um, they're the same species, just a different subspecies. So a big brown bear, basically. And they'll be in with the wolves, you said? Yeah, they'll be in with the wolves, yeah. And yeah. how do you suppose they'll, they'll get on? Will they actually interact with each other up close or do they keep themselves to themselves? Um, I think most of the time they'll keep themselves to themselves. Um, the thing is with wolves and bears is that although they are both two large carnivores and some people might be questioning why we're mixing them together, they don't compete with each other in the wild. So bears generally forage on stuff. They will eat meat if they come across it and they will hunt now and again. Um, but they generally eat stuff that they can forage for. Um, whereas wolves are strictly carnivores and they will eat and, and catch their own prey so but they wouldn't obviously go for a bear it's uh, it's not on their menu um so because they don't compete we should they should pretty much just ignore each other we do know from other um zoos and wildlife parks that have done it in the past that this is generally what happens although i have seen um I've seen personally in, a, in another zoo, it was a different type of bear, but I've seen wolves actually trying to steal food off the bears. So they were feeding them pheasants or something like that, um, pheasant carcasses. And wolves were actually trying to steal it off the bears and then, and then running away. Uh, and the bears sort of been a bit slower to get away behind them. So most of the time, I don't think they're going to interact too much, but there might be some interactions. Um, but we do also have separate areas for those wolves. So if the wolves were feeling a bit intimidated by them or something like that, or they just want a bit of a chill out, then they can go into a separate area of the woodland that the bears can't get to. And we've just basically ensured that by having a very small hatch in a fence that only a wolf can get through and a bear can't get through. So we can give them a bit of space and a bit of separation if we want to. Um, but most of the time, they'll be just living together um, throughout the woods. Okay. You mentioned a little bit about diet there, pheasants. From a keeper's point of view, what kind of food do the animals eat? 
Um, well, it varies from obviously the species to species. Yeah. Um, the things like the wolverine and the lynx, they will eat a lot of small hole prey. Um, it's not live food, but it's actually against the law to feed um, a live mammal or something to another mammal here in, in the UK. Um, but it would be things like rabbits, chicken, quail, um, pheasants, um, a bit of uh, things like horse meat or beef as well. Um, so that's quite varied for those smaller animals. The bears will eat um, all sorts of stuff. So, and it's really seasonal as well. So we change the diets throughout the year to mimic what it would be in the wild. So, you know, in the springtime, there'd be a lot more sort of greeny leafy um, items. There wouldn't be a lot of high rich fat things. But then as it goes through the year, you know, when berries and seeds and nuts would naturally come out, we would start introducing that into their diet. Um, and then towards the autumn, then we give them a lot more fatty items, a lot more fatty meat and stuff. And that's to build weights up because obviously during the winter months, their, their diet naturally decreases, they, their hunger decreases, um, and uh, they will lose a lot of weight in the winter. So it's very seasonal for the bears, um, but they will get fish as well and meat, and but fruits, berries and all sorts of stuff. And the wolves are generally just yeah, carnivores. So they'll eat um, either carcasses, so um, either horse or beef or stuff like that, mainly for those guys. Okay. So this is, as we've mentioned, this native ancient woodland. Yeah. Um, what other species might we spot along the way? Uh, we've got a lot of different bird species here, um, and we have, I think, 14 different species of bat will come and forage in this woodland, which is really impressive. Um, we have a native species team at the zoo and they do transects every week and they go around looking for different species and invertebrates and everything that they can find within the woodland. And we pick that up here with the interpretation that we've got. Um, so although we've got these, these species to come and look at, we've got bears, wolves, lynx and wolverine, we, in terms of interpretation we're speaking just as much about everything else that naturally occurs within this woodland and that we have been seeing all throughout before we started the build since we've been building there's been plenty of activity here and that will continue as well be really interesting to see how this environment changes and how the species react to seeing some of uh, their you know the bigger animals coming back in again yeah great and that that's a message you want the public to sort of receive as they're walking through it's not just about the big animals that are being put in here it's, it's much about the trees and the forest absolutely it's so as people come into this exhibit we say this is a story of woodland um, and what we want to do is interpret the trees and the landscape as living things and not just as kind of static landscape features so there's plenty of interpretation around the makeup of a tree how trees talk to each other um, how they grow in an environment like this and all the life that trees support and how important that they are and really we want people to go away from this exhibit thinking they did not know something about woodland and now they do and to think of their kind of this native habitat as something that they you know need to feel proud of and kind of supportive of i mean i've learned so much more about woodland since i started on this project and it makes you look at things in a different way you pick up different things and tracks within the woodland we've mentioned native ancient mm. woodland yeah. and just woodland in general in in british isles how is it looking at the moment for woodland? We got more of it now than we did five years ago. Uh, we do have more woodland than we did um, in the year 2000. It is increasing again. Um, we have, of all the ancient woodland across Europe, we have 40% of it in the UK. So we actually have a, a good proportion of it. Uh, and yeah, woodland in general is, is increasing. I mean, there's a lot of kind of plantations that, that account for that. Um, but ancient woodland is now protected. Um, so we just want to get the message across within the exhibit of the importance of this as a habitat to make people think that it is worth protecting and that conservation isn't something that happens 
thousands of miles away, but actually it happens right here at home as well. And just a quick note on some of the animals that are coming into the exhibit here. Some of these animals have been mentioned in reintroduction programmes. Is it a good idea to reintroduce um, animals such as wolves and lynx? Yeah, I mean, you know, personally, I would love to see you know, wolves and, and lynx and bears and stuff like that back roaming the British countryside. I, I, there's, there's so much work to be done for that to happen, and it's obviously a very controversial um, thing, um, because you know, we in the UK are just not used to living with large carnivores. Naturally, and making their own way back across, you know, that bears and wolves and lynx and all these species are actually increasing in Europe um, and spreading back to areas where they used to live but had been wiped out. And you know, we now have, um, you know, we now have wolves back in places like um, Holland and Portugal. And you know, they've been seen there and they're breeding there for the first time in hundreds or thousands of years. So they're naturally making their way back um, across Europe. Of course, they never can do that within the UK because we're separate by the channel. So they can never come here by themselves. And yes, there has been loads of talk about it, but I think there would have to be. It, it would really take, it's going to take a lot of work if we ever thought and, and really were serious about this happening. And it would have to change a lot of people's attitudes because a lot of people are scared of these animals or they're scared of losing stock if they're farmers and stuff, which would happen. It would definitely happen. Um, you know, a pack of wolves roaming around the British countryside, if it comes across uh, a field full of sheep, it, it would be crazy not to try and take them. So there would have to be lots of measures put in place if that did happen. But as I said, personally, I would love to see it. Um, but I think we're a long way off that yet. Especially bears. Especially bears, yeah. I mean, you know, a wolf or a lynx is, is, is one thing. It's not going to attack someone. You know, these animals do not attack people in the wild. It's really, really, really rare that that ever happens. And, and certainly even in captivity, we, um, as animal keepers, quite regularly we're working in enclosures with wolves or with lynx without any issues. Um, but yeah, bears, complete different kettle of fish. They can kill you and, and, and will kill you if, if the opportunity was there. Rebecca, we're just mm -hmm. we're sort of slaloming downhill. What's this section of the exhibit that we're coming through now? So we've we've just gone through the kind of lowest point of the exhibit. The exhibit is fully accessible, so it has you know two really large sweeps at either end to allow the uh, so to allow guests to kind of drop seven meters from top to the bottom. Um, so this area here opens up as what we call our kind of central viewing area. It's where we think people will spend the most time, and it's got really some of our best views in some of the paddocks here. So we can see from here the shared bear and wolf exhibit um, and we can also look uphill towards the links as well. So from this point there's a lot for people to see um, and if they can't necessarily see the animals at that time we've also got lots of interpretation up here. So we've got a big piece called the woodland calendar and the woodland calendar just tries to show how much stuff is happening at any one time within the woodland. Uh, what we're really trying to do is look at the changes that occur seasonally here. The environment is so dynamic and it changes so frequently that we wanted to interpret that. So a lot of our interpretation switches out seasonally so people can spot different things. We're also going to have um, rangers based here as well and they will speak to people about the exhibit animals, help them find them um, and then also point out what our native species are doing as well. Just so you know, that's not a tree being cut down at the moment. No. <laughs> as far as I can tell. There is not. <laughs> no. 
but, but it is a chainsaw. <laughs> it is a chainsaw, yeah. But yeah, we're not taking any trees down there. I think they're just doing a bit of work on, um, there's a few bits where um, it's just dead, uh, dead wood on the trees. And of course, we don't want them falling onto either the fences or the walkways. And then actually, we've got tree surgeons behind us as well here, um, which are busy putting a collar on one of the trees to stop the lynx getting up this tree and actually jumping down onto the walkway here. So um, we do have tree surgeons in at the moment, yeah. Yeah, and we're, we're really right in the canopies now. If, you look, yeah. if you're looking out over this section here, yeah. yeah, it's quite amazing. It feels like you're up in, really up in the canopies. Yeah, it's, it's great because you, you get the experience low on the ground in places and then at other times you are walking right through the top sections of a tree. So it gives you a really unique kind of view into woodland that you otherwise wouldn't get. And I think that's really special because it is completely accessible um, and it allows everybody to get into woodland and experience it, which I think is really special and really unique for us here. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a good point to end on. Yeah, just we're busy now for this next few days. Uh, yeah. Final preparations before the animals arrive, really. And yeah. of course, um, we've got um, animals arriving tomorrow, um, and then animals arriving on Friday, and then animals arriving next Thursday, and potentially, no, Wednesday, Wednesday sorry, and then yeah. potentially moving the wolves next Thursday. So there's a lot going on this next week. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not at all stressed. No, not panic. at all, no. <laughs> not at all Still panic. friends today. Yes. <laughs> and, the, and the aim is end of, end of July for yes. um, opening to the public. Absolutely. Can't wait. Great. Yeah. Well, okay. good luck with it all. It looks amazing. Um, and we should leave the builders to it. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, if you want to see bears, wolves and other large native mammals that have long been extinct in the wild in Britain, why not take a look for yourself? You can find all the details at www.wildplace.org.uk. And a big thanks to the Wild Place Project for giving us access to the site and to Danny for asking the big questions. Let us know what you think about this subject and any other podcasts by emailing me, Fergus Collins, I'm the editor, at editor at countryfile.com. And don't forget to check out our website, countryfile.com, for everything you need to know about the British countryside. Whether you're planning a walk or want to find out what career John Craven would have chosen if he hadn't been a TV presenter. For now, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and it's goodbye for me and the team at BBC Country Farm magazine.